I lived in a village near Vijayawada, about 12-13 kilometers from Vijayawada. The typical 1950s village. So, but I still always looking back, uh, feel very strongly that uh, those 10 years made me what I have become for the rest of my life. So welcome to Outliers. This is a podcast with Outliers and I'm, I'm so uh, excited to sit down with uh, Dr. Rao, who is the founder of LB Prasad Eye Institute. Uh, you know, I'll be honest, the first time I really got interested in learning more about you when I was reading some things and I, and I saw there were eye hackathons being organized and a lot of focus on technology and innovation. And uh, then I started digging more and uh, went back to my conversations with, you know, with Dr. Shetty and, and others. And I said, I must meet you because uh, this seems to be a very rare combination of uh, doing good with disruptive new age, uh, you know, uh, technology. So welcome to the podcast, Dr. Rao. Thank you. No, I think doing good is uh, inbuilt into the medical profession, isn't it? So we are in a unique profession where you can do well and do good. That combination is not easy in other professions. So it's automatically inbuilt into our profession. That understanding is not given to the next generations of medical students and all properly by the current uh, education systems. That's the that's where the problem is. Hmm. If that understanding is given right at that level, at that stage, then it becomes easier subsequently to build a good healthcare system. Give us a sense of uh, where you come from, Dr. Rao. Why did you? Why are you doing what you are doing, and how did you build this? Uh, I come from uh, the coastal part of Andhra Pradesh. Uh, the first uh, 10 years of my life, uh, I lived in a village near Vijayawada, about 12-13 kilometers from Vijayawada. The typical 1950s village. So, but I still always looking back uh, feel very strongly that uh, those 10 years made me what I have become for the rest of my life. And I strongly believe uh, any doctor working in India sh- should spend a part of his or her life in, in a village to become a real good Indian doctor. And for that matter, any Indian without having lived in a village what we see in the big cities of India is all superficial glass and steel without substance. That describes the mission part very well. But how did you get to building this institution and and what were the milestones on the journey? No, I think uh, 
several inspirations but i think the final inspiration was when i was working in the united states looking at the quality of medical care there and the kind of institutions they have built in that country always uh, raised the question in my mind why can't we build similar institutions in our country that's one thing and my wife and i always strongly felt that uh, people like us got the best out of this country even though the country is very poor and for people like us coming from families like ours we both came from doctors families so we should be giving back to our country so these are the two simple feelings that led to coming back and uh, trying to build an organization that replicates an american academic eye center that was the only limited vision that i had when i came back in hyderabad in a high quality academic eye center that would encompass patient care education and research the only thing new that uh, traditional western institutions don't incorporate as an integral part that we have done is rehabilitation also the idea being that everything in ikr should be available in under one umbrella so with that we started with these four segments functional segments of the institute then as we went along uh, five six years later realized that uh, the real uh, problem is out there not here in the rural areas where 70% of india lives and then uh, that then i woke up in, in some sense realizing yes that's where i came from and uh, not doing much for the people living in those areas sitting in hyderabad so how do we deal with that because i was absolutely against i camps because of the quality issues and i felt very strongly wherever we go whatever we do it has to be an ongoing commitment it can't be that i go there screen them bring them to hyderabad operate send them back and then forget we wanted to be there permanently in those communities wherever we go that's why with that idea we started developing models for rural eye care we started with uh, what we call secondary level eye care centers for half a million population and providing high quality care with one ophthalmologist or two ophthalmologists depending on the demand the team that is drawn almost entirely from the local population and put them back in their own community after training so how did you excite others with with your vision because one of the challenges in scale is it's one thing to have your own vision but other thing to scale it i think two three things helped us one is uh, we made a deliberate uh, decision in the beginning when we started that we will not recruit anybody with previous work experience so that we build our own culture 
so everybody that we recruited came out of schools colleges medical colleges training programs and it was this was their first job so this was the only culture that i knew they knew so made our job a lot easier the the second thing was that uh, relative unfamiliarity with anybody in hyderabad for me i didn't know anybody because i never lived here so that gave me complete freedom <laughs> so I, i didn't have anybody coming even then of course lots of uh, advisors from everywhere coming and tell me this doesn't work that doesn't work this is not america all kinds of things i used to hear but uh, i politely listened to them and uh, we went our own way and then setting a direction and then uh, going uh, in that direction without uh, getting distracted how do you balance future vision with uh, current problems because that's one of the things that fascinated me when i first heard about you no always i think uh, we have made sure that we took care of all the micro details and also continuing to look out for the macro vision uh we also did not do too much of deliberate strategy i think our institute has evolved on what is so later on i came to know a new term in management language called emergent strategy as the opportunities appear and the needs appear you grab on to them and try to take advantage of those opportunities that's what we did most of the time fortunately for us as and when we thought of a new idea new project support came along and then we could uh, realize our our dreams so in 31 years uh, till date uh, we never had to stop any idea from uh, realization because of lack of this or lack of that the only limitation since the beginning until now is people people of compatible standards and values what are those compatible standards very high quality no compromise on quality absolutely no co- compromise so for that the every cadre has to be of a certain standard mm-hmm. and that standard is not available in plenty in our country the second is we compete with a very high paying information technology pharmaceutical sector kind of thing in hyderabad whereas we are not for profit so how do we still attract people that come and work with us so i think even though there is no one easy answer the satisfaction that a lot of people get out of the work here i think is what keeps them here at least for doctors i know the the main reasons is one is that that they can treat everybody that come to them with the problem that they are best at handling they could take care of without hesitation of how much it costs doesn't matter how much it costs they can go ahead and treat them whether they pay or don't pay 
that freedom they have 100%. So that's a big attraction for a lot of them. The second is complete freedom in decision making on how to take care of a problem. Nobody looks down their noses and tries to tell them, oh, don't do this, don't do that, unless they go and ask for a second opinion, unless they are making mistakes. But otherwise, nobody, that freedom to use their knowledge to the full is the other attraction. The third is a lot of people who come to us are those who would have become professors if we were to have good eye centers in this country. Since we didn't have, we have become an attraction for all such people who want to pursue research and become academic ophthalmologists, rub shoulders with the giants in ophthalmology in the world, because we have all those opportunities here. So these are some of the reasons what keeps them here. And the other carders, I, I believe, is literally the, the environment, the work, the freedom. And then, uh, while we have carders and all that, relatively non-hierarchical institution. We still have it, but uh, not as rigid as uh, most places in India, because we are a all said and done hierarchical society, and uh, that we try to break deliberately all the time. Like, for example, we constantly discourage the use of words sir and madam among ourselves. It should be limited to patients and visitors. So those kinds of simple things. Uh, I think these are all some of the things that keep them going. But, uh, but in terms of innovation, everything we did was uh, out of the box. So I'm very fond of the Robert Frost poem, Road Not Taken. So we pursued the road not taken throughout. Right from the beginning when everybody was doing only cataracts in India in eye care, we started with the concept of comprehensive eye care. All of eye care along with prevention programs and rehabilitation. Uh, Dr. Rao, one more point is, uh, in healthcare, especially these days, we see these uh, the assembly line thinking, right. wherein everybody is trying to look at the healthcare, of course, as an opportunity and a problem, and trying to say how can it reduce the cost, become more efficient, and so on. And clearly, the trigger is you are trying to provide it to massive populations, mm -hmm. so you need to think of economy of scale and things like that. Right. In your experience, how have you balanced that, if I may call it assembly line? Uh, model with the kind of quality you are talking about, with the kind of innovation you are talking about? No, I think if you, if you train your teams, yourselves, with your standards, or if you retrain them if they came with previous work experience and uh, put, bring them onto the system that you have, then it becomes easy. Then the efficiency comes in. The so-called higher cost of high quality is not really true. You can still provide high quality care without spending an awful lot of money. That is possible. Because we have demonstrated that uh, we can easily treat half the patients completely free and yet operationally self-sustaining. And we also know if we cut it down to 30% non-paying and 70% paying, 
we can pay all our thing including our capital without dependence on any external sources so it is possible in medical care and health care to provide care at no cost to a large segment of the population if we want to do it the question is do we want to do it so that's how we've been able to work we've been able to demonstrate we we learned from other models that have existed we modified them and then uh, created our own our own system so it is possible to do it it is possible to deliver care and you have demonstrated clearly <laughs> no high quality care we have demonstrated like for example uh, we have a system where whether they're paying or non-paying patient they're all seen in the same facility we don't have two separate areas two separate buildings once you geographically separate these two groups of patients the non-paying never get the same quality care all over the world you see that it's not just india because the non-paying are then treated by only trainees never the consultants dr now what what technologies do you see shaping the future of uh, everything you do uh, and uh, how are you yourself learning about them no all of information technology the mobile technology biomedical biotechnology everything all technologies is going to affect the shape of healthcare as it moves forward but my personal belief is ultimately whoever can bring the best balance of man and machine will be the winner why is that because if you go entirely with the technology eliminating the human element i think healthcare will not be very uh, successful or reach a stage where it should be because uh, somebody who is suffering always want to have some degree of uh, comfort from another human being and that unless that is provided in some form through a human being it will not be complete the care is not complete yeah you can make a diagnosis you can perhaps uh, give medication you can provide treatment mechanically but if you want to have the so called complete treatment that kind of a bringing in a human using judgment mm-hmm. and then also showing that apathy is very important in so medical care human intelligence versus artificial yeah it's, it's called there is a term what is it called enhanced intelligence or something natural intelligence plus artificial intelligence i think that's the i believe personally that's what it is because technology while it has given us many benefits it has also brought us several uh, negative factors and uh, how do we minimize the effect of negative and maximize the positive should be where the human judgment comes so that will imp- impact it will i think it will help us in two ways one is uh, scale second is uh, coverage you can reach out to far distant areas with less people and uh, probably lower cost yeah so that's going to be the big advantage of technology if it is leveraged properly 
So there are a lot of people, a lot of companies, a lot of organizations uh, falling over each other, saying we have the solution, we have the solution. Every week we get two, three emails or phone calls. We have this, we have that. And uh, so who will ultimately, what will be the future way? For example, we, we, we probably are going to build a campus in Amaravati, the new capital of uh, Andhra Pradesh. So there, uh, we are taking our time to really, because we want to build an eye institute of the future there. We want to think about 20 years from now, how eye care will be delivered. 50 years from now, how it will be delivered. And can we create a model? So that's what we are thinking of at this point. Because innovation has always been in everything that we that, and then the entire model of eye care in the rural areas, what we call the pyramidal model, has been an innovation for us. And then integrating along the different tiers of the pyramid, primary care, secondary care, tertiary care, with complete integration of the different segments of care and using the right kind of people at, at each level. So there is no point using an ophthalmologist in a primary eye care center. It's not required. We are just doing more than 60% of the time giving a pair of glasses. For that, you don't need an ophthalmologist. A one-year trained high school graduate can take care of that very well. So at the next level, in uh, secondary level, where you have to take care predominantly of problems like cataract and some medical treatment of disease, you don't need a superly qualified ophthalmologist. A regular ophthalmologist is good enough. Mm -hmm. And the really highly talented, the best of talent should be used in the tertiary level. If you segment that mm -hmm. in terms of infrastructure, in terms of human resources, the cost will come down. So that's the other thing that we did by differentiating that kind of thing, even within the teams. And the other thing that we do is using a team approach. Like even here, one ophthalmologist, when we are in the outpatient, is supported by five technicians or optometrists. And then we have the trainees. The entire team helping the ophthalmologist makes it much more efficient, cost efficient, and then uh, we can serve more people without compromising on the quality. So, because a lot of time people think of technology as, you know, if it will leave their job. <laughs> Probably will not. Uh, uh, in some other sectors it might, in healthcare it's probably unlikely. It may have some impact. In some sense it's okay because we will never be able to produce the number of people that are required, professionals that are required to meet the ever-increasing demands of healthcare. Because now as you look into the future, at least in India, we are going to have this great convergence of the diseases of the past with the diseases that are just emerging. So the old infections are still there, the TB, the malaria and all that. And then we have these cancers, heart disease and all are coming. And the two converge, we have a major public health crisis. And to deal with that, we will not be able to produce professionals at the same rate. Mm. That's where technology should help us. 
less number of people, greater impact, better quality. That's the formula we have to arrive at. Can you share some of the life lessons from from your career as an entrepreneur or as a per individual? No, I think the three, four things that I can tell you is uh, if you have a dream, chase it. Don't give up halfway. I think as somebody said, if you want something badly enough, you can get it. How badly you want it is the question. Second is have a clear picture of your destination and keep moving towards the destination without getting distracted, pushed or pulled from that path. You can reach there. Of course, you have to put in your effort, hard work. The third is sincerity and transparency goes a long way. Sometimes it's painful by being honest. Unfortunately, in our country, being honest is a, something to be shamed of. They make you feel like that. But, uh, but in fact, uh, that helps in the long run to build credibility. Once you build credibility, things become easy. But then how do you protect your reputation and how do you handle critiques? The reputation will have no problem. The, the, as long as you are credible, as long as you are honest, as long as you are transparent, your reputation is intact. And the best advertisement is the word of mouth of your patients. When we started this institute, by the time uh, we started the very first day, we had a three-month waiting list. And then most of our paying patients in the initial five, six years came from the city of Mumbai. Wow. They came here for corneal transplants because nobody else was doing really corneal transplantation very well in the country at that time. So they saw what we do, how we do simple things like, for example, we used to serve a glass of cold water when they are waiting in the waiting room. You come out from a hot sun, suddenly you sit in an air-conditioned room and somebody is actually serving a glass of cold water. You think that person is God. Right? And then we have a philosophy that if an exam room is free, a patient is waiting to be seen, and I am free, I would go and get the patient from the waiting room. I don't want to wait for somebody below me and below me and below me to go and get the patient. So that became a big topic for discussion all over the town. So these are all simple things that attracted people. So you do simple things that touch the hearts of people, then that will be your best advertisement. And of course, ultimately, the clinical results. Have you ever failed at anything? And if you have, how did you cope with the failure? Actually, I can't recall any major failure. Minor headaches are always there. Uh, nothing major, nothing major. In all fairness to our system, everybody talks about India being corrupt, this and that. In all these 31 years, we never paid anybody a single paisa bribe. Nor did I ever run after people touching their feet for favors. Even with that kind of a thing, we've been able to make all this progress. And uh, so 
So there is some fairness somewhere in the system. And, uh, and then I think uh, we stayed under the radar for the first eight, nine years. And then by the time people uh, wake up to the reality that we are here, by then we already made our name. Uh, final, final, final question. Uh, what is the legacy? What does legacy mean for you? And uh, you know, give, give us a sense of that. I strongly believe the legacy should be institutional legacy. Individuals come and go. Individuals don't matter. And the fame is very fleeting. And uh, so you have to build a legacy of an institution that really cares for people in the field of healthcare. That's all I can hope for. And then help as many as possible with a true sense of dedication. Thank you, Dr. Rao. Great talking to you. Thank you.